Hello, this is Digital Accessibility, the people behind the progress. I'm Joe Walensky, the creator and host of this series. And as an accessibility professional myself, I find it very interesting as to how others have found their way into this profession. So let's meet one of those people right now and hear about their journey. All right, well, it's time for another edition where I get the chance to speak with an accessibility professional. And today I'm very pleased to be speaking with Joe Devin. Hello, Joe, how are you today? Great, how are you, Joe? I like your name. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I'm uh, currently in my home office on Vashon Island, which is near Blink's Seattle headquarters. Where are you talking to us from? From Henderson, Nevada, right near uh, Vegas. All right. Well, I've been there, visited that. Well, you've uh, been working in the accessibility space for a long time, and, and you're involved in a, in a lot of different activities be, beyond the one that you just talked about. But uh, one of the things I like to, to do is uh, use this as an opportunity to let other people see that there are a lot of different pathways into accessibility as a profession. So um, how did it start with you? What was, uh, you know, the first part of either your live life or work life where uh, you first uh, heard about accessibility? The first time was probably Dive Into Mark, which was a blog that uh, the young folks probably haven't heard of, but the early days of the internet, uh, he did these really cool blog posts about uh, building the World Wide Web and he, he had one about accessibility. And I think that was the first that I ever heard of it. Um, then what really blew me away is Victor Tsaran, uh, who now works at Google, did a really cool screen reader demo where he was showing what it was like to see the homepage of Yahoo. And I was completely blown away and realized, you know, I, I've been on the bleeding edge of tech for a long time and I'd never seen this. I never heard of a screen reader. And I was like, okay, I'm not testing for this. If I'm not testing for this, no other developer is really looking at it for the most part. Uh, and it, it really stuck in my head uh, for about seven years. And then my dad started, as he was getting older, his eyesight and his hearing got worse. And he started to need accessibility features himself. And that's what really prompted me to, to say, oh, wow. Uh, th this is something that really, uh, I, I sort of viewed it as a civil right and, and something that, that if you can't bank independently, right, then how can you live independently? And so I wrote a blog post that turned into Global Accessibility Awareness Day that went viral to, to my absolute shock. And that's why we're talking today. So that, that was really my path. In. And once you start with accessibility, once you become friends with Jenison, let alone a co-founder of, of something like GAD, uh, there is no turning back. Well, we definitely want to talk more about GAD. Um, you you know where you you started from it sounded like you you'd already been involved as a developer for a while. So um, was was that your main role? Was that what your foundational uh, education and and early work experience in? 
you know, it's it's funny with programming, you can learn how to program, or as I like to say, for me, it was in the blood, you know, uh, I started at 13, I got an Apple IIe, and finding books for me was really hard back then. It was just, it was just looking at a black screen in front of you and a little cursor. Um, and then you might have some friends at school, uh, but within a month of getting that, I wrote like a little uh, sort of Hebrew word processor type program where you type the letter A, the letter Aleph comes out uh, and just iterated on that. So I took to it very naturally um, at a young age. And from there, uh, I actually am also very much an entrepreneur. So I started a, a, a business in Europe, uh, but I was using CompuServe at the time, came back and my cousin was working for uh, doing some work with a search engine. And he said the World Wide Web, this is in the 90s, he said the World Wide Web is going to really explode. Uh, why don't you handle the business? I'll handle the tech. And um, and I wound up learning the tech very quickly because, like I said, I, since I was 13, I took to it pretty naturally. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, being being part of a search engine in the 90s, uh, you're, you're really steeped in it. Uh, sorry, I'm rambling a little bit, but hopefully that gives you a sense of some of the crazy uh, uh, path that I've taken. Yeah, no, that that that's good good information. You know, a lot of people come into uh, accessibility from uh, kind of the technology or the programming uh, area where, you know, that's, you know, a place where obviously uh, a lot of our accessibility solutions uh, need to be enabled. So yeah, it's, it's good to, to uh, uh, see that bit of your background. When you were uh, first uh, doing that, like what were the areas that you went to, to, uh, get more information for yourself about uh, about accessibility. Uh, we we have so much uh, great information now, but uh, if like I go back and kind of 25 years ago when I was first starting, uh, it was it was a lot harder to find good information about it. It sure was. I'd say I was pretty ignorant in the beginning when I wrote that blog post. It really was. Uh, yeah, I was I was ignorant, but I had just started a, my own company and uh, I had stopped really coding. Um, but then I, I was pointed to DQ University. And I think for a developer, that one is really, really a good one to uh, fully understand the entire landscape beginning to end. Uh, I read even, you know, running my own company with no time. I made sure every day. I did one page. It took me eight months, but I read every single page of that tutorial, and that really made a huge difference for me. Well, uh, so then uh, you know, as you you know started to become more familiar with it, uh, what where was the pivot where it it started being something uh, you know that you were much more involved with? And and by the way, if this is where you know, kind of GAD comes in, feel free to slot that in wherever, you know, makes sense so that people are aware of that as well. Yeah, it, re it really was GAD that that uh, sort of forced me to really learn it because everybody assumed that I knew what I was talking about when all I had done was written a blog post. So in the beginning, I wouldn't say that I really knew what I was talking about. I was certainly trying. I always read lots of different blog posts and one thing I'll add that I think might be educational for the audience is what made 
what made GAD really was community. So both Jenison and I were involved in community. I had started about seven different technical meetups. And what, every single time I would read a blog post by somebody great, somebody that I, I didn't care if they were well-known or not well-known, but if they taught me something, I would just send them an email and say, you know, I was living in Los Angeles at the time. I said, I know you're gonna be in the Bay Area sooner or later. When you come, take an extra hour trip, come to LA uh, and make more out of your California trip and speak to our group. And so I got to meet the core developers of many different technologies. And then I had somebody to call up on pretty much anything. Uh, it, it was really something that that changed my my whole career um, and and let Jenison and I, by being a part of the community, we had folks to reach out to to really turn this into something a little bit more. Well, we, we I've had been uh, fortunate to have Jenison uh, on this program uh, in the past and and he's talked about Gabo what, what for people that may be, uh, just hearing about it for the first time, you know, why don't you define it and just kind of describe it? And uh, of course, in the show notes, you know, we'll have links to it. Uh, but just, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, what it is and uh, how it works. Sure. So I, I wrote this blog post about 12 years ago saying that I felt myself as a developer, I did not know enough about accessibility. And I knew that we weren't doing a good job as developers. And I felt the reason for it was that we were ignorant about it completely. And so the idea was let's create a day of awareness so that developers and designers and product people, anybody that involved in building a digital product can learn about accessibility. And we proposed things like, don't just use your keyboard rather than the mouse in order to navigate uh, your website, reach out to journalists, especially tech journalists, so that they could become aware of the day. And let's hope that this grows and that we build that awareness. And that just took off to the tune of a 200 million Twitter uh, reach, 200 million users every, every year. And uh, Apple, uh, Microsoft, IBM, Yahoo changed their homepage for the day. You know, it just, and products were released on the day. So it really kind of took off. And a couple of years ago, we started the GAD Foundation. So that's also um, another thing that I'm very involved in, where we're trying to do more than make it just one day. We're trying to have it have a lasting impact. And one of the big things that I worked on through the uh, GAD Foundation is a GAD pledge where different open source projects take the pledge to make their project accessible. Uh, and, and that's something where if you have a framework that people are using, you can impact a lot more people. Well, those those uh, numbers uh, you mentioned are, are really staggeringly high. So that that's extremely impressive. I, I've participated myself as a, you know, as, as somebody just uh, consuming all the great content that's out there, by the way, uh, you know, the way it's set up is that uh, this community that you mentioned is just uh, responsible for individuals and organizations, both corporate and, and private to kind of just put together activities that are virtually available or, or can be physically available throughout the world. And, and then uh, there's a 
a website that you know tries to corral the information about that but uh yeah it's just a way to to uh well both get tons of great information but also just realize uh the you know the global participation uh that there is uh in accessibility absolutely and uh the the websites for that are accessibility.day and then the gad.foundation so the foundation is where we talk about our activities and then accessibility.day is where we talk about the activities during the day of gad well uh, so as i mentioned that uh, that information will uh, be in the in the show notes but uh you know and now coming back to you and your activities uh uh are there any other things that you, that you're working on that you'd want to uh bring us up to date about or things uh, you know coming up in the future absolutely everybody's talking about ai right now and as i said i'm i've always been working on the the bleeding edge of technology and uh, AI is obviously something that has reached its point uh, in, in the community, and not just the accessibility community, but just in general, the tech scene. Um, and I've just been fascinated by it, and particularly around accessibility, because what people somehow don't look at is the fact that almost every aspect of AI is related to accessibility, because you're trying to do a, a visual recognition, you're trying to understand a video scene, you're trying to understand the spoken word, you're trying to translate into different languages, you're trying to emulate human senses and human behavior and human physical, uh, physical touch. All of these different aspects are, are things that are, are going to be really helpful for accessibility. And I don't know that the community has quite caught up to how much it's going to impact us, but I'm really excited about it. And that's the reason that I launched a podcast, uh, Joe Dev on AI. So I'm going back to my developer roots and <laughs> kind of cutting that name off in order to, to say Joe Dev on AI. So that's the, the name of the podcast. And although I'm also talking about AI on its own, a big piece of the, the podcast is about AI and accessibility. Well, I, I'm going to be really uh, interested in that. Uh, I, I don't do a lot of bleeding edge work, but I do try to keep up on things. So, you know, you know, thinking about what it means for accessibility, uh, we, you know, with virtual reality and AR and so on. And so uh, I think this, your AI discussion is going to be one that, uh, um, I haven't given thought to yet, so, so I'll look forward to hearing about that. Yeah, it's, it's it's really exciting. And and I think within a year, I hope to see lots of new products and lots of solutions that, that we've been missing. Um, because the, the one thing that we keep seeing is that Web A Million report every year that that shows how what percentage of the websites are inaccessible and seeing a different approach uh, is is very welcome. And, and so just right there, you mentioned, you know, one of the kind of persistent issues it's that's with us is, uh, you know, we feel like we're maybe we feel like we're doing a lot of great work. But then at other times I kind of look around and I'm like, geez, I thought we, we could have been a lot 
farther along and more saturated with accessibility uh, in digital products by now. But uh, um, uh, let me just open it up to you. Are there any uh, particular areas that uh, you see that the profession should be uh, spending more time or you know, things that we, we should be uh, aware of as accessibility professionals? Yeah, well, why don't we dive into to AI a little bit? Um, there's great tools out there that will do automated speech recognition, but they're not quite that last 10% is the hardest part where you can get an entire transcript, but it won't necessarily be good at diarization, which means splitting out who is saying what, uh, that kind of thing. It, it, it just, it's just that last mile uh, it is hard to close the gap. So that's something that uh, it would be great to build on top of existing tools. And a lot of people are are feeling that automated uh, tools are are not there or will never be there. And I don't think that's true. I think that AI is going to be better at doing captions than than humans in terms of recognizing what's being said. I think it's it's starting to get to the point that the error rate is going very low. Um, and, and I think we should focus on that. And another big one I think is going to be the interface. Interface design is going to change. I think there's, there's gonna be a lot more of this chatbot style interface where you'll have an AI that's going to look at a, at a website or a mobile app and allow you to interact with that. So here we are, we're trying to understand the code that's underneath the page. But if you have an AI look at the page, interact with the page and understand what all the features are, maybe maybe the screen reader looks completely different in the future. Um, and, and I've played with the uh, Be My Eyes, the, the new app that they did together with uh, OpenAI. And that was fascinating because it was able to look at a web page uh, it, it, it took a picture from my mobile phone, looked at a web page, and described the page. And you could ask it to read out the page. You could ask it to, uh, in, you know, sort of query the page. It's a, it's a totally different interface. And so I think we should put a little bit of effort into reimagining what does assistive technology look like in the age of AI. And uh, you know, with with respect to AI, uh, it. Well, it, it seems like it's just uh, captured a huge part of the tech news cycles over the past three months. Uh, yeah, it's not always clear, you know, what exactly drives that. I think just people are uh, generally interested in new technologies that seem like they're transforming things. Um, how do you do? You have any ideas about how you see it becoming, you know, available to practitioners to? To be able to work with, uh, I mean, I've tried out demos and things like that. But uh, is it going to come from uh, tool vendors that we're familiar with, or uh, are there going to be uh, sort of platforms, uh, open platforms? Do you have any uh, thoughts about that? Uh, that that is the million dollar question. I think uh, I, I think this very podcast, you wait a month, and then everything we say changes. So. To make really bold predictions is uh, is a fool's errand, but we can speculate. Uh, I, I don't know where it's going to come to, but, but for me, what really captured my attention was the fact that 
Google invented this technology with the transformers and they, they couldn't come up with a product because the hallucinations and the negatives were too big of a risk. So you can't blame them for not productizing this. But within a period of a couple of months, they got challenged to the tune that they lost, what was it, almost a billion dollars in market cap uh, uh, very quickly. And they're, they're in danger of disruption from, from an invention that they created. They're an AI first company since 2016. So it's not like they were asleep at the wheel. They were not willing to innovate. And the place that disruption happens is when you take a powerful technology and you put it in the hands of the masses. So the tools I'm excited about are the ones that are allowing people to code that are only speaking, for example, that don't have access to really uh, do a lot of keyboard work, um, that, that might have certain mobility issues. Um, th those, are, those are the kind of places where, wow, you're now unlocking amazing brains who, who can look at their, the, the, the problems that they may face themselves and solve them, because that's where the best products are when you solve your own problems, but also solving problems for the world. You're just opening up an, an incredible avenue uh, by making the, the technology cheaper. And uh, the best developers are now using uh, tools like Copilot uh, and Tab9 to, to write code in languages that they would be scared to have touched before. Uh, they're, they're feeling empowered. And then you have people that are not even coders coding, for example, Yohei Nakajima, uh, wrote this this uh, baby AGI um, uh, repo or, or code that went viral on GitHub, and he calls himself a non-coder. He, he uses no coding tools, and he goes viral on the coding social platform of GitHub. Right. So when you when you see that, that's when you're like, okay, this is this is a big deal. It's not it's not just a hype cycle. This is already having a big impact. And, and bringing technology to the masses. So to me, that's super exciting. It has its downsides too. It has its scary sides. So uh, I'm, I'm not one of those that's hyping it without looking at, at, at the other side. Well, uh, you've, you've given me a lot to think about in this uh, one area. So I'm looking forward to uh, learning about it, learning about it from your uh, the new work that you're doing. Uh, also looking uh, forward every year to, to uh, to gad and we'll we'll make sure we have that information uh here in the program notes but joe uh, it's been a pleasure speaking with you uh, thanks for taking the time to chat with me today and uh, hopefully we can meet up at a physical accessibility event sometime in the future that would be awesome thank you so much for having me on all right thanks a lot okay
Hi, I'm Joe Walensky, and as host of the Digital Accessibility Program, I like to keep the focus on our amazing guests. But I'm always excited about my role as Accessibility Director at Blink, the producer of this program, and I'd like to share that with you. Blink is the world's leader in evidence-driven design, and we work with a wide variety of clients. Founded in Seattle, we also have offices in Boston, New York, Austin, San Diego, and San Francisco. Our stated mission is to make technology human. Embracing inclusive design and accessibility brings all of us closer to that mission. We bring accessibility in every one of our projects. Our philosophy is that each of our practitioners should understand how accessibility applies to their own work. Accessibility is not a separate department or activity for us. Our researchers, designers, and developers all employ accessibility principles at every stage. If you have a need for research and design services, Blink is a partner with a full-time commitment to making your product or service accessible and a great experience for all of your customers. Some of the specific areas where we can help, using research to better understand the needs of your customers with disabilities, innovating to make sure your accessibility is the best in class design, we can move existing designs to development in a sprint. And maybe most importantly, we provide a turnkey transformation to an accessible site or app. Of course, compliance status is something that we always include as part of the service. If any of this is of interest, please get in touch with me directly at joe at blinkux.com. That's J-O-E at B-L-I-N-K-U-X.com. Thank you. And please take a moment to rate our program in whatever app you use.